This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Hey, today's show, it's all about domestic violence awareness. And we'll speak with Shanice White, director and lead therapist for the Letitia Norman Center for Counseling and Psychological Services on the campus of Jackson State University, and Wendy Seals, executive director of Angel Wings Outreach Center in Mendenhall, Mississippi. We'll also chat with the late, about the latest headlines in the weekend roundup. And join us on our conversation today. You can give me a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. And we'll be right back after the news. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Happy Monday. Hey, we got a really important show today, and it's all about domestic violence awareness. So that's what we're going to talk about, and we're going to take a look inside of the centers around the state that are helping bring not only awareness and education, but also helping provide a safe haven for the victims of domestic violence. Hey, we're going to speak with Shanice White. She's a director and lead therapist for the Letitia Norman Center for Counseling on the campus of Jackson State University. And also, we have in the studio Wendy Seals. She's the executive director of Angel Wings Outreach Center. That is in Mendenhall, Mississippi. So anyway, Michelle and I, of course, are going to recap a little bit of the weekend and some of the news stories. Um, oh. Whoa, that. <laughs> and uh, Michelle's going to make Marshall go deaf. Uh, oh, so whatever. that's okay. No, no, no big deal. Don't need my ears for this show. Anyway, uh, big week. This week, of yes. course, because tomorrow's Halloween. Everybody's going to go trick-or-treating. It is. Uh, do people still trick-or-treat, though? Yeah, they do in my neighborhood. Well, it's awesome. It's good stuff. It's fun, but Jordan is going to go to a uh, Halloween carnival. Yeah, people you know. do that, too. A lot of churches do. They, they, they do. They counter-program and so forth and so <laughs> forth. I, you know, I, I quit sugar a couple of weeks ago. and so Congratulations. I'm like, well, yeah, except my timing is stinks. It's like giving up turkey a week before Thanksgiving. Exactly. It wasn't, it wasn't really good thinking on my part. So, so what's your uh, plan? Uh, just not eat as much sugar, and it's worked pretty well. I've lost okay. twelve pounds, so good deal. Yeah, it's excellent. So, but yeah, uh, my son had a bunch of friends over Saturday night, and of course they had candy everywhere and so forth. And I'm sitting there looking at it going, "You can't have any." <laughs> oh, it's terrible. It was exactly. Terrible. Oh, it's horrible. And yesterday, got to go speak to up at Ole Miss to the Phi Kappa Phi inductees. Phi Kappa Phi. Uh, yeah. So, needless to say, I was not the smartest person in the room uh, <laughs> by far, but. I gave, you know, it's funny, I gave a speech on how to fail. And they, the parents are kind of looking at me like, what? what? Exactly. What? Well, let me tell you this, because they obviously know how to succeed. Uh-huh. They wouldn't have been <laughs> sitting in the room unless they were, like, incredibly bright, uh-huh. incredibly driven. But I taught them a little bit about, you know, there were going to be times in their life when they're going to trip and they're going to face plan. Uh-huh. And you know what? you got to be able to figure out, because you're either winning or you're learning. You're well, not, you know. Now, we'll I, talk say, about I went to the University mm-hmm. of Tennessee, mm-hmm. and so my football team is learning a lot this year. Mm. They're learning every Saturday, and I wish <laughs> they would quit learning. I wish they would get smart and win. But that said, you know, a lot of times, and, and I did in my career, and I, right, I got out of college. The first job was I was a high school custodian, which mm-hmm. was not in my career path. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Uh, that was the best job I ever had. 
because number one, I worked with a lady who set me up with her daughter, and I've been married to her for 24 years, and of course I have three great sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, too, it, it taught me number one, a job is like sacred. Exactly. Should, every job is great. You should exactly. be grateful for it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it it was what I needed to get to where I am today. Exactly. And so a lot of times, you know, when you do have those moments and you have those failures, it's very easy to fit into the pity party. And that's what I was telling them. I said, look. You know, this is just an opportunity for you. Now, nobody wants a D or an F or mm-hmm. anything like that. I'm mm-hmm. not recommending they go do that. But the bottom line is, um, if it does happen, mm-hmm. figure out what caused it and learn from it. Well, you know, um, I always tell this story. My famous story about failure is the 409 inventor. 409 was invented 408 times before he got it right. Well, Edison did he the same thing it, with the light bulb. Exactly. He mm-hmm. called it 409 because on the 409th try... He got it right, and so he named it 409. And that's just a quick little story about it's not failure. It's called, yes, uh, consistency and persistence, but learning from your past. And I tell everyone this, if you don't fail, how will you know when you're doing anything right? You have to have something to compare it to. The problem is if you're not failing, you're not getting out of your comfort zone, and you're not changing, and you're not learning, and you're not. So you're not, you're going to be sitting there safe, but I can tell you what, being in the media industry, if I'm not reinventing myself on a daily basis, then I'm in toast. Well, just like us, our shows. I mean, we do a great show one week. Okay, the next week we have to do a better show, and the next week we have to do a better show as a producer. Is that what we're doing? (laughs) As a producer and my job as a producer that's all i'm thinking about is the next thing i'm Uh, thinking about pronouncing names correctly so you know (laughs) we all have different different tasks here but you know and you're right um i remember in in college i took accounting too Mm -hmm. um i'm not a left brain guy i'm a right brain guy Mm -hmm. i'd be the first to admit that and but you know what it helps when you go to class when you take accounting because you actually have to learn how to do all that stuff and i didn't do that and Mm -hmm. guess what Guess who had a big, fat F going into the last final? Me. I never failed anything in my life. And so I was up till about 3 o'clock having a pity party. I was serving snacks. I was crying tears. And then I figured out that F stood for the F and my fault. It was my fault. Yeah. And so I got busy. I learned what I needed to learn, and I got a 92 on the final. And I ended up getting a D. Oh, my gosh. I graduated with honors and got a D. Yeah. And I was so proud of that D because that was the moment I learned, guess what? You got to do the work. It's about you know? what you put into it. Yes. And um, as a having a 14-year-old now, she, you know, Jordan turned 14 two weeks ago. So now I'm really trying to let her understand that it's your life. I'm not in eighth grade. It's your responsibility. I'm there to help you, but you have to put in the work. I can't do the science fair project for you. I can't do all of your work for you, Jordan. I need you to get this. I need you to understand what you're doing, and this is your life. And not not to be a pop psychologist here, but I've got to figure the quickest way to um, create a monster (laughs) is to do everything for your child. Because you know what? Oh, yeah. If if your child is living under your roof, they're in a safe place, Mm -hmm. right? So if they fail... It's not the end of the world. So guess what? If they if you do everything for them and they get to like 25, 30 years old and they fail, they got a mortgage payment. They got kids. I mean, they don't have that experience, that wealth of falling down and being able to get back up. True. You haven't taught them. You have not done them a certain. It's hard. Very I mean, I got three boys. Yes. I'm, you know, when they screw up, I sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll bring them their lunch if they forget it. Other mm-hmm. times I'm like, well, 
you're going to come home hungry right because they have to learn that too and that's hard very and oh I, gosh, I tell her that i don't want to make you sad i don't want to see you cry i don't want to see you pout but like everyone tells me you're really hurting her giving her disservice if you help her every time she does something and she forgot something and I she mean, didn't do something my child was dangling off the second floor mm-hmm. of the roof hanging there i just let him sit there i said you you got in that situation you can just hang there for the rest of the day no, I didn't do that. I'm just kidding. There are, yeah, I, there I was, was kind of quiet there. I'm like, he's going to tell me the punchline in a minute. No, you know, you know I'm nothing but nice. Um, I, you know, over the weekend, by the way, this is a personal moment here, and I, I don't normally do this on the show, but I want to say thank you to everybody who voted in the Corian Ledger's Best of 2017 Yay. contest. Uh, you know, not only did I, I, I won uh, Best Columnist and Reporter, which I am now actually a columnist. I've started writing columns every week. Really? So, yes, I'm on my fourth one this week. Oh, wow. So, so I guess technically I fit into that. But more, I guess my editorial cartoons count as columns uh-huh. also. So I won that, yay! And I had some great competition, and I'm really proud of that. Also, won best artist and writer. Um, we live in Mississippi, and we have some exceptionally wonderful, fantastic artists and writers. And for people to consider me that for that. Uh, I'm blown away by it because the finalists were Wyatt Waters and Ellen Langford. Both uh. are amazing artists. So, and also too, I mean, all the writers too in this state, all my friends that do this. So, <laughs> I mean, I was humbled. I, I yeah. just, I just was uh, completely stunned. And so, thank you. And and that's just, I think, 20 years, people just know who I am and they're mm-hmm. sick of me, so they wanted to give me an award <laughs> and get me out of their way. But it's... Uh, no, people, you know, I think it maybe made you understand that people are noticing. People do read your columns. They look at your cartoons and they really take heed to what you're saying and what you have to say. And how does that make you feel when you really realize people do appreciate what I do? Yeah. I guess so. I mean, because I get a lot of people that don't appreciate what I do, too. They call me names. Makes me sad. Um. No, I'm just kidding. But that was really cool. And also, too, and I think, you know, we're going to try to to work on a Veterans Day program for next week, obviously, because right. it's coming up on the Saturday after that. So it's a, we're a little bit ahead of the game. But uh, I spent last week flying around in a World War II bomber. Wow. Yeah, single engine, not one of the big ones, and a smaller one, Navy one. But Those are kind of scarier. The single engine. Well, yeah, if the engine goes out, you got a, you got a little <laughs> bit of a problem. Then it becomes a really big, heavy glider. But it was so much fun. And guess what? They, I think they were doing this on purpose, but the crew took me out for Mexican food before we went up. And so they're <laughs> flying me around in this plane. And we're, I mean, literally, we are flying below treetop level doing passes and i'm in the back going yeah you just ate a a lot of of beans (laughs) yes actually one of the beans that was the problem it was probably more the guacamole Guacamole. yeah a few other things but i tell you what um kept everything down that was good because you don't want to make a mess in somebody's nice airplane no no that's always bad but this was the same kind of plane that george hw bush flew in world war ii and got shot down and uh it's a tbm avenger which you know it's you think of the avengers but it's a really cool airplane and it was just to me, I was sitting there in the back because it has like a little cargo hold mm-hmm. where you sit down the third person. It holds three people. And I'm sitting down the bottom part strapped in. And I'm thinking, what would it have been like in 1944 to be on an aircraft carrier? In the middle of in war. In the middle of the right. war. Mm-hmm. And your job is, you're 19 years old, and your job is to go and bomb somebody while people are trying to shoot you down right. with airplanes. And, I mean, I couldn't even fathom it. Here I am, old, you know, 49 years old, way older than that, thinking, wow, what responsibility mm-hmm. that we put in these guys. 
in, in women's hands in World War II uh-huh. to go do this task. And they were 19, 20, 21 years old. We talked about that last week, Ajava and I. Yeah. Um, I posed the question to anyone, anyone that we work with. Have you ever been in a war, in a war type of situation? Have you ever been shot at? Have you ever had to kill someone? Those are things that we've never, I've never had to experience. And I can imagine how it feels, like you said, 18, 19, some 17 years old, leaving your family and then you're killing people. And and how how do you process that? How do you, you know, um, post-traumatic stress syndrome is real. These veterans, like you said, didn't come back to parades and things like that. One, you know? the, one of the best shows that we had in the past was we had Dan Fordyce on. And Dan Fordyce is also part of this deal with the plane. But uh, he came in and he does a, a, a deal called uh, the Bonfire Project where he brings in basically veterans and they go sit around a, a campfire and talk to each other. Because now, you know, back after World War II, you could get on a ship and sail home and mm-hmm. it took you two months you're hanging around all your your buddies and you were able to decompress before you got back in the real world now mm-hmm. you're in a combat zone next day you get on an airplane you're at home mm-hmm. and you there we do a really good job training our men and women to go into combat we don't do a very good job training them how, how to, to come, assimilate come back exactly home. and so you know i think the issue of ptsd is one that you know this veterans day i think a lot of people need to think about because there's and people on mm-hmm. like four or five tours there's overseas. a movie coming out um yes if you can i, I forgot the name it's so it's about a thank soldier you, thank you for your service yes mm-hmm. and uh coming back and how he just came back and dealt with his family and his wife and his kids and it looked so interesting i really want to check it out i think it looks great mm-hmm. too as well and of course I, I probably the most domestic thing i did over the weekend mm-hmm. rake my yard oh good deal four and a half hours burned about 2300 calories it was a great workout and you don't have to really cut the grass at i don't think anymore you don't have to cut the grass the problem is i went out the next day and i needed to rake my yard again yeah we have pine straw pine needles all over the yeah. yard and i looked at jordan i said um are you gonna rake them up she said, who? I'm like, the the only child in the house. <laughs> uh, now, you know what? You need to get her out there raking. That's good She's going to do it. Um, She's going to build character. This week, I might look. Tomorrow, Halloween. That'll be uh, her gift to me. Aww. I mean, to my, her yeah. gift yeah. from me. I think she's going to trick you. I don't think there's going to be a treat there. <laughs> Not at all. Well, I tell you what, when we come back, this is, now, of course, now you're talking to our guests. We're going to have therapist and director Letitia Norman from the Letitia Norman Center for Counseling and Psychology. I can't read. On the campus of Jackson State University. And, of course, also the executive director of Angel Wink Outreach Center in Mendenhall. Because you know what, folks? Uh, this is an incredibly important topic, and we want you to be part of it. If you've got any questions or want to make a comment, you can call us at 877-672-7464. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I tell you what, I, I don't know if y'all watch the news much. I do, and that's kind of a occupational hazard for what I do. Um, you, but you probably have seen it on Facebook, and you've definitely seen it on Twitter and some of your social media, is the hashtag MeToo. Uh, a lot of a lot of people are coming forward and they're talking about incidents where they were harassed or where there has been abuse involved. And, and, and you know, this month, of course, is a lot of different things have been going on this month. But one of them, of course, is domestic violence awareness. And um, I think it's something that obviously uh, deserves more than just a month. It deserves every single day of the year, because, uh, you know, when you start hearing some of the stories, 
And, you know, I grew up naive. Of course, I had two older sisters, so they kind of kept me in line and kept me in check. They would have beaten me, or they still would, if I was everything, anything ever but kind. But uh, you start hearing some of the stories from your friends, and you're just like going, wait a minute, this, this is going on. And then you hear more and more stories that's going on. And uh, so we really wanted to get a couple of fantastic guests on, and we do have a couple of fantastic guests. Shanice White is with us, and she's course, a therapist and director for the Latasha Norman Center for Counseling and Psychological Services. That's on the campus of Jackson State University. And straight from Mendenhall, Mississippi, Wendy Seals is here. She's the executive director of Angel Wings Outreach Center as well. Uh, Thank you. It's so nice to have you here. Just go ahead and introduce yourself. Talk a little bit about yourselves. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Shanice White. I serve as the active director and lead therapist for the Latasha Norman Center at Jackson State University, where we provide uh, individual counseling, group counseling, uh, couples counseling. We also provide consultations for JSU faculty and staff. Uh, We go into the classrooms, we go into the dormitories, go into the community and provide outreach programming. We also have on-call services where if a student is in need of our services after 5 o'clock p.m., we are available for that. Uh, We also collaborate with local organizations, uh, the Mississippi Coalition Against Domestic Violence being one of those. And we also have uh, various annual events. We just had our annual domestic violence forum October the 18th. Uh, The guest speaker was Bishop James E. Swanson from the uh, Mississippi branch of the United Methodist Church. So we do a lot of things. No kidding. I'm tired just thinking about all the stuff you must do. <laughs> Good grief. Good grief. Incredible. But it's incredibly important what you're doing, too, because, I mean, uh, you know, a college campus is really the first time when, you know, your child gets to go off and be away from home and you're suddenly in a big crowd with a bunch of different people. And it's amazing what can happen. Yes, it's yeah. amazing. So, um Talk a little bit about Latasha Norman, because um, she's a very she's a real person and got a very sad story, but a very powerful one as well. Tell us a little bit about her. Yes, Latasha Norman is a, a real person. Um, and this is telling my age, I guess. But I was actually in school uh, when Latasha Norman uh, was murdered. Um, she was a junior accounting major at Jackson State um, in an on again, off again relationship with uh, her boyfriend at the time. Um, they experienced, um, uh, it was a domestic violence relationship. And as a result of that, she, she died, um, in 2007. Um, and because of that, the center was named in her honor. Wow. Wow. Um, why is, I mean, the, the facility obviously is very important for students and you obviously employees can utilize it as well. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, domestic violence from a college student's perspective, because I think we just kind of piqued my interest a little bit how she was an on and off relationship. She never could get away from that relationship. But talk about from a college student's perspective. From a college student's perspective, you go off to college and you're thinking, okay, uh, think about the American dream. You go to college and I have to meet my boyfriend. Yeah. I have to meet my future husband. So you get involved with someone, the first guy that comes or girl that comes along and uh, piques your interest. Yeah. And so you get into a relationship with them. And a lot of things that may be going on, the control, the power, the economic abuse, Um, And some of the other things that you see within a domestic violence relationship, they're not really aware that, hey, something's wrong with this relationship here. 
um, a lot of students that we have worked with, they have told us that the only way they would know it's a domestic violence relationship is if they experience the physical right part of domestic violence. Yeah, that kind of got me uh, piqued my interest a little bit because I understand the physical part and the control part, but the economics just is powerful, isn't it? Yes, the economic abuse, the verbal abuse, the psychological abuse, all of that is it, it, it encompasses domestic violence. What are some of the examples of uh, Michelle, I know you want to oh, ask no. a question. Sorry. We'll get you in there. The economic and psychological and in the verbal. Talk about some examples on that so that people might be listening and might think, wait a minute, I might be in this situation. Economic abuse. When your partner says, okay, you only have a certain amount of money to spend on shoes or clothes, or if you guys have a joint account, let's say, for instance, uh, you have a joint account with your partner. Um, They control how much you spend or they take the money out of the account and leave you with nothing to to spend on necessities. Um, Some of the verbal, of course, it's being called out of your name. Right. Um, Your partner yelling at you. Um, The psychological is uh, a big part of that is the manipulation. Yeah. The manipulation. Um, And actually, domestic violence includes a cycle there's the honeymoon phase where a lot of the manipulation is going on mm-hmm. where your partner is, okay, um, I, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I support you and I love you, baby. I love you. I'm never going to do anything to hurt you. And then there's the tension building where you start to see some changes in your partner. You may not, the other partner may not be aware of those different changes, but they, their, their behavior changes. Um, and then it becomes the explosion yeah. where the abuse starts to take place. Wow. Um, besides being a just incredible jerk, somebody doing that, it sounds like a self-esteem issue from the person that's that's trying to manipulate and control. It's definitely, I didn't, in, in yeah. theories do say yeah. that it is a self-esteem yeah. issue. I mean, there's yes. no sympathy on my part. I just kind of, if somebody actually supposedly loves somebody and they're doing that to them, it sounds like they got problems with themselves. Yes, yeah. yes. And it all starts with, with, with childhood. Yeah. Uh, we never know what the abusive partner went through during their childhood, but um, research does say that the abuser may have gone through um, being abused as it, right. by their parents exactly. while growing up. Yeah, yeah. modeling. And Shanice, uh, when you talk about the um, on campus with the students, and I like how you pointed out that some of the – and we're not just pointing out females. We're talking about on both sides. Domestic violence can uh, – be on both sides. Absolutely. Men can be abused as well. Women can hit men and vice versa. But the education, let's talk about what type of um, things are we doing to educate our girls or our uh, men, period. The whole thing about relationship building and how to love and how to uh, build up your self-esteem from freshmen to seniors. You know, what are you guys doing to have those type of forum discussions? And let's talk about it openly. Fortunately, Jackson State University has been awarded a grant from the Office of Violence Against Women within the Department of Justice. Um, It's a grant to reduce sexual assault, domestic violence, dating violence, and stalking on college campuses. Within that grant, um, it's our job to provide trainings, webinars, uh, different workshops and things to provide the education to students, faculty, and staff, and a local community about what domestic violence actually looks like. Um, letting them know that it's not just the physical. It does include those different types of abuse. Um, and 
uh, to also uh, talk about prevention, the primary, the secondary, and the tertiary um, prevention. You know, you talk about education. It's so incredible. We were talking about that when we first started the show, talking about, you know, helping your kids learn to fall on their face and so forth. But kids, they watch their parents. And you don't have to – You parents think, well, I, when I'm teaching my kid, I'm going to tell them to do – no. I mean, I remember my dad. My mom and dad would get in a fight. My dad would get mad, and he'd hop in the car, and he'd storm off, right? First time I did that in my marriage, I was modeling what my dad did. And then I realized, wait a minute, I just left my house and my wife just locked the door. This is not smart. And so I never did it again. But I realized, and a lot of times you get, you get kids, they come to college and they've maybe seen mom and dad, you know, or maybe their dad hit their mom or whatever. And that's why you, it's so important that you're educating them. Yes. Yeah. Education is, is, is key. But yeah. like you said, uh, Shanice, it goes back like generations. It goes back from generations. So if we can stop the cycle of abuse, right. we're talking about, like you said, Marshall, from families on down. So when you do, when they do go to college and they're on their own, they're just emulating what they've seen. They're doing what they think love is. Um, let's talk back about, and I, um, I'm saying this from a personal standpoint, when you're a girl and, you know, we go to college, like you said, Shanice, uh, they, they're on campus, they're looking for that husband or that first love. Some of them never really had a first love in high school. So they're very immature about what love should look like. So when we get on campus and, you know, your boyfriend, every girl feels great when he's kind of jealous you know jealousy it starts that's how it starts i don't want you talking to this person where were you when i called you you missed my call and now with technology being the way it is facetime and cell phones and everything you didn't answer the phone so you think oh he loves me it feels good to have someone love you that much and he cares about me but at the same time when it gets that's the educational side of it that's what we were talking about letting them know when it when is it too much when I can't turn around, I can't talk to a friend guy and a uh, classmate. I can't talk to this person. I can't be not around you. When is it too much? You know, that's what the girls and the guys need to understand. Um, have your own life, but incorporate someone else in it. Don't just be about this person 24-7, you know? Exactly. Um, this semester alone, we have had a number of students to come in with various relationship issues. With that being the primary thing, um, they they see their partners on Snapchat or Facebook or Instagram or any of these other social media that I'm not a part of. Um, but anyhow, um, if they see their partner active on those social media sites, you know, it's the end of the world to them. They, they feel like, you know, they're not loved or they're cheating or whatnot. Um, but there is, you know, the other side of that when they're constantly on their Instagram or pages or Snapchat pages or whatever pages there are, um, they're constantly checking on their mate. Well, I see that you're out at the mall with your friends. Uh, why you didn't call me back? That's uh, kind of stalking. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oof. <sighs> well, you obviously work with the victims and help them a lot. I mean, do you help with the abusers as well? I mean, do you ever get to be able to work with them and get them to wake up and realize what's going on? Yes, we have had um, a few semesters ago, I did have the opportunity to um, work with a student who was on that other side, who was actually yeah. the abuser. So breaking down that education piece again with, with the abuser, 
okay, do you know the behaviors you're exhibiting? Do you know that this is this is a part of domestic violence? Right. Okay, this is how we can modify these behaviors so that you can have a successful relationship. I'm about to say, how do you how do you approach somebody with that? Because it's very hard for any of us ever to admit we're wrong. Even Bonnie and Clyde thought they were innocent. I mean, people don't. So just sit down and say, hey, look, you're screwing up, bud. You need to do this, this, and this differently because you're not going to get through life that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you approach somebody like that? Well, you always want to make sure that you develop a healthy therapeutic relationship with any client that you work with. And so uh, we usually just start off just providing that that, that basic education, the psychoeducation about what domestic violence is, what the uh, different behaviors look like, the types of abuse. And once we break that down and help them to become comfortable sharing, okay, you know, this is not a judgmental zone. It's okay for me to open up and say, yeah, I I, I do that or yeah. Yeah, I've done that before. It's, it's really tough because they'll probably be hearing that and think, oh, no, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. And then that moment comes when they realize and they look in the mirror and they go, oh. Right. We're going to continue this. This is a great conversation. After the break, we're going to continue talking with Shanice White and Wendy Seals as well and talk about what they're doing to bring awareness and help for domestic violence victims in this area. Also, if you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can give us a call at one 672 7464 or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. Hey, if you're just tuning in, we've been talking with Shanice Weiss. She's a director and lead therapist for the Latasha Norman Center for Counseling. It's on the campus of Jackson State University. And also, too, we're going to have Wendy Seals join us as well. She's executive director of Angel Wings Outreach Center in Mendenhall. Uh, Before we get to Wendy, because I definitely want to jump in as well, and I got one more question um, for Shanice. Some throw some statistics out there because I mean, like I said, I was incredibly naive going into it, and then when my friends started telling me what was happening to them, I was just like going, "Oh my gosh, this this is absolutely an epidemic almost." You know, you didn't you, you know, go through fat, dumb, and happy like me. Uh, then you hear that, but what are some statistics on a college campus with domestic violence? On a college campus, one in four female students um, have admitted of being a victim. Of okay. domestic violence. Okay, let's let's stop for a second. Okay, so you got, you know, ten thousand students on campus. Say, be half of them are women, one in four. So I'm doing the math. That's a lot of people. That's a lot. Wow. Yes, one in seven men. Um, one in seven men. Yes, yes, and a lot of people find that statistic surprising. Um, but going back to uh, what was stated earlier, men are victims of domestic yeah. violence as well. You can do the psychological. You can definitely do. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, definitely. Yes. So wow. Um, so, and those are just the ones we know about. Yes. Yeah. 
And so, but, you know, going back to, of course, Latasha Norman's life and, and the tragedy there, I mean, your job is to obviously intervene and get in there before that it elevates to that level. Yes, yes, it does. Um, domestic violence is definitely our platform, um, but we also have to address those uh, uh, those mental health right. um, distresses as well, um, because those are what... I guess kind of stir up the pot for domestic violence right. on unresolved issues because of um, diagnosed, uh, undiagnosed mental illness um, that definitely plays a role in domestic violence. It's kind of like, I guess, alcoholism. There's usually a root down there that's causing it where somebody's self-medicating, but they like the self-esteem issue. They feel like they need that control. They have no control in their life. And so they take it out on somebody they quote unquote love. Yes. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I, I tell you, um, oh, I'm just I'm just thinking about that number one in seven and one in four. Uh, incredible. We got Wendy Seals here, executive director of Angel Wings Outreach Center in Mendenhall. And Wendy, thank you for being here. Thank you for yeah. having me. And of course, you've been listening in on everything that Shanice has been talking. You've been nodding your head a lot uh, to say. Tell us a little bit about what you do down at your facility. Okay, my name is Wendy Seals. I'm the executive director for Angel Wings Outreach Center. So with- you're the boss. Well, yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Okay, sometimes. <laughs> we run a shelter for yeah. domestic violence victims who yeah. are left homeless after they have left their abuser. Wow. Uh, we've been in operation for 23 years, and I am grateful that I have been there for 23 years. We have helped hundreds of individuals have come through our doors for domestic violence, uh, there's, I'm asked all the time, what have you seen? And I tell them there's very little I have not seen. So uh, domestic violence is something that we work on every day. It's not a nine-to-five job. I was about to say, because somebody could leave at any moment and you're on call. Yes, someone has to be in that facility working 24 hours a day, every day, 365 days. Yeah. Out of a year. We don't have, uh, you know, we have staff there, but me being the executive director, I'm on call all the time. That's right. So we have to do what we need to do because that determines saving a life, That's saving right. a life. So our facility, our crisis line has to stay open because someone can call, contact us if they cannot get us they can lose their life, and that has happened. Uh, we see that, hear that, hear about that on the news, and yeah. we have a, we had an incident, I believe it was a couple of years ago, in McGee, Mississippi, where the abuser went into the Wendy's. And oh, that's right. Went, I remember right, that. Right. Yeah. And shot his girlfriend and then turned around and killed his himself. Yeah. And there was a um, domestic violence that has been going on quite a bit. But she never did contact our facility. Mm. And see, that's the sad part of domestic violence. Uh, It's bad to be a victim of domestic violence, but it's also sad when the education is there and the crisis lines are there, and then the victim feels, well, I can handle it. And in reality, you really cannot. What's what's behind that? What makes somebody think that, you know what, I, I got this, this is no problem, and they don't ever get the courage to leave? I think a lot of it has, has to do with their pride yeah. because they feel like it shouldn't happen to them. 
or, or it's not happening to them, or they can control, or they can right. sta- change them. They can change yeah, them. I, that's I, huge. I, I, we get that a lot. Yeah, you got Shanice's head going up and right. down pretty, pretty when quick, When they too. come in, and um, when they come into a domestic violence shelter, they pretty much have had all that they can take. But you have to realize they've been in that relationship for 15 and 20 years. Yeah. And we asked, well, why did you stay so long? Well, I thought he'll change. Well, I thought I can change him. And I thought if I did this, he'll do this. Or, you know, and, and it don't work that way. It don't. A person have to want to change. Yeah. But And the only thing that you really can do is get help for yourself right. and for your children. Because one thing a victim of domestic violence do not realize, and I think you said something about that earlier, is that when you have children and you thinking they're sleeping, they're not. Yeah, that's right. They're really not. They can hear what's they can they hear. They hear exactly yeah. because when I, I, the children come into our facility, once they have gained our trust, they can pretty much tell us everything that has been going on yeah. in the house. Well, Miss Wynn, well, let me ask you a question. Do you guys have revolving doors? Because I know you mentioned um, a lot of women. Either they've been there 20, 30 years or 10 and they're fed up. But I know personally that sometimes you leave in the heat of the moment. Mm-hmm. And the reason why you do stay is because you do love this man. Love is mm-hmm. you, you do genuinely love that mm-hmm. person. And mm-hmm. at a time, I like when Shanice talked about it, it it's so many different phases. Mm-hmm. They're not all mean all the time. They don't slap you all the time. They don't hit you all the time. So when they do, you're like, this is not the same person that I saw or mm-hmm. we talked this morning and he, we make provisions for the person. Oh, he's upset about something else, mm-hmm. something at work, something happened and I can fix him. He's not going to hit me again. So you stay so long because you think that it's going to get better. You always say exactly. it's going to get better. And I can say this. People do change. People Mm -hmm. can change. Mm -hmm. But the both sides, the abuser has to first realize and admit that he's he's doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And if he wants or she wants to change, they can change. So I don't want to go into... It would take counseling for me to believe that somebody wants to change in that scenario, especially... But but I don't want to paint a picture that um, all abusers will be abusers for the rest of their lives and there's no hope. There's right, always right. hope for both sides. But my question to you, Miss Wendy, I'm sorry I didn't even ask, ask <laughs> it. When If a woman came to your shelter and she's there and she is fed up at that moment, and you know where I'm going next, he got he contacted me or I you know I know you guys have minimal you want minimal contact with the abuser at that moment because they're very vulnerable right now mm-hmm. they they may go back if they talk to him if he sweet talks her again she's going to go back if they do leave the facility can they come back or what's your policy on that they can come back if that abuser did not find them there and one thing you said is so true Michelle when a person loves someone, that's that's the one thing that I stress with people when I talk about domestic violence. You have to understand they love that person. So you just don't walk out and fall out of love. Right. You can't do that. So you, you hoping deep down on the inside, even though he has knocked you across the wall several times, you are still hoping hmm. that he will change because I love him. And people on the outside will never, never understand, understand. And you watch a movie and you watch mm-hmm. Lifetime and all these things and you say, 
why are they dealing with this? And they have a problem, and mm-hmm. they have a problem. But you know what we said earlier? This issue crosses barriers, economic barriers. It crosses educational barriers mm-hmm. from the president's house, from the White House to the farmhouse. This mm-hmm. issue has been going on. And like you said, either they don't say anything, or they hide it, but it is going on. So some people say, don't look down on a person that's dealing exactly. with any type of abuse because it's a process. It's going right. to take a process to change or take a process to get out. But I do want to talk about Latasha Norman and what you said, Shanice. She thought that he could change. Mm-hmm. You said the abuse did not start at one moment. He had been very abusive and very controlling, and she was trying to get out. But that one time when she said, when he asked her, can we talk? Can we go and talk? Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to make people understand that you do think it will never happen to me. I'm not a Latasha Norman. He's not going to kill me. She did not leave campus that day thinking she was going to be thrown in the as a piece of garbage in the woods by mm-hmm. Tougaloo. Exactly. You did, she did not think that was her last day on this earth. And that's the scary part. And how do you guys emphasize that to your uh, cl- uh, clients, you, Shanice, and you, Miss uh, Wendy? How do you guys get that over to them, that you can die? Well, what we do, when they when they come back and tell us, I talked to him, I decided to go back, we have a safety plan that we give to our clients. To, and then we also, we go over that safety plan page by play, page, dot by dot with them. And we also let them know that if you get out there and if you need us, call us. Right. Call us. They have to know that they can contact somebody. Well, you never tell a victim if they decide to go back to their abuser, don't make no contact with me because right. they're going to stay there. They're going to stay there. And if and if that abuser, we have learned that if that abuser have not made up their mind to change, mm-hmm. well, the abuse will start again. It'll start again. It will start again. Is there a ratchet effect on that? Does it get worse and worse yes. and worse over time? Yes, yeah. yes. We had, and I'm, I, we had a young lady to come into our facility. It might have been about 15 years ago. Well, anyway, when she came in and, she nice young lady had two little kids and um I talked to her and she was like I'm not gonna go back and this and, that and the other and, you know and they all would tell you that mm-hmm. and I was like okay you know what whatever we need to do to help you that's exactly what we're going to do well I came something told me to go by the shelter yeah the one night and I did and she I went around in there and I saw and I said how you doing she said I want to talk to you and I said okay and she said I decided she said I'm going to go back and I looked at her and I said are you and she said yes I'm going to go back and I told her I said baby I said I just want to tell you this you know I can't stop you I said if you need us please contact us I said but your life can be at stake because she had some very it was very bad physical abuse. Yeah. And I said, please be careful whatever you do. Within two weeks, she was dead. Wow. He came to her grandmother's house. He walked in with a gun, and he shot her and killed her. Whew. So it's, yeah. you know, you can, and some of them go back, and they make it work. They right. make it work. But they need to know that they got 
that hand reaching out to right. them. That's when they you got to get past that. I love you right. and you got to realize okay, my own safety. I love myself more than right. that. Yeah, definitely. We're going to continue this conversation. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll continue speaking with our guests, find out what's coming up with them as well and you know what? You can be part if you've got a story you'd like to share or you'd like to jump in on the conversation, give us a call at 877-672 6474. That's 877 MPB Ring. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Of course, we've been talking about domestic violence today, and unfortunately, there's many of you out there that have experienced this, and I, and I hope you're getting some good um, counseling and advice from this. It's been a great show. We've got Shanice Weiss. She's the director and lead therapist for the Latasha Norman Center for Counseling on the campus of Jackson State University. And, of course, Wendy Seals, executive director of Angel Wings Outreach Center in Mendenhall. Um, Wendy, gosh, it's... I, I almost didn't want to end that break. That was very powerful. Um, talk talk a little bit about, you know, when somebody comes into your shelter, of course, it's probably at the heat of the moment. It may be 2 o'clock in the morning. Something mm-hmm. bad has really gone down. They're sitting there thinking, okay, now what am I going to do with the rest of my life right now? It, obviously, there's counseling that you do to help people be able to make that transition. Yes, and you're absolutely right. When they come in, did I make the right choice? Yeah. I don't know if I did the right thing. I don't know if I'm going to stay. Right. So what we do, we, we take them in. We, we show them their room and everything. They do have individual and group counseling with a uh, counselor. Yeah. And they also have a, be assigned a caseworker. And she works with them because many people don't understand. When we get a victim of domestic violence that have been in a relationship, mm-hmm. It's just like teaching them how to walk all over again. Right. Um, The finances, we have to teach them because a lot of them was not even allowed to have any money. Yeah, that's that economic abuse we were talking about a little bit earlier. We have to teach them, uh, show them parenting skills because a lot of them was not allowed to do that with their children. No, they was not allowed. We have to teach them how to cook. We have to teach them how to wash clothes. We do all of this, and we do all of this within two months. And then what we do once they are ready to we help them get jobs and get stable in the community, yeah. wherever they want to stay at. What we do, we, we put them in a transitional program where we are able, we're partnered with Catholic Charities mm-hmm. of Jackson, and we are able to pay their rent oh, for a, a, num- a number of months. So... There are services out there, but it takes time because when a victim of domestic violence coming to our shelter, the first thing we really work on is building up their self-esteem and letting them know that you are loved and that we love you and we're going to stick right with you. And once they leave our shelter, 
they can come back, volunteer. We have staff that has been victims oh, of that's... domestic violence that works at Angel Wings. That is huge. So we yeah. keep that communication going. Well, it's so important, too. You know, you talk about building back the self-esteem and helping. That's, I mean, that's not only for that individual person. It's for their children yes. for the next generation. Yes, Because you've got to break that chain. You have to break it. We work with the schools in our community yeah. because when those children go to school, it affects them. So we yeah. work with the schools in our community to help our children, and it right. works. It Be- works. Because, like, what you're doing and what Shanice is doing, obviously there's a preventative component to right. this as well. It's really important. Right. We've got Skip in Vicksburg who has a comment as well. Skip, thank you for joining the show. I appreciate it. And I'd like to uh, thank all of your guests. There's a lot of great work being done out there. Um, my background is in social work. I was a juvenile officer for uh, five years uh, in the north in Newark, New Jersey, very urban setting, uh, live in New Orleans and move back to Vicksburg. Now, one of the things I want to add to this conversation is the fact that there needs to be a very strong link with probation and parole services, criminal justice services, uh, for, for uh, the duration of many of the cases when you're, when you're dealing with uh, gun ownership and violent individuals. Yeah. Um, when you wake up in the morning and you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And the first thing you turn to if you have some disgruntlement is a, you know, a partner. Now, we're also coming up on the holiday season. The holiday season to, uh, to an officer, certainly to a juvenile officer, I felt this was the most dangerous time of the year because you throw alcohol in the mix, you throw low expectations or overblown expectations. Any of these are triggers for emotional difficulties, financial strain, uh, why didn't I get the present that I wanted? Uh, you know, it, it, it's very difficult. I had the fortune or misfortune to um, at the council, an individual named Damian Jordan once. Um, this was a young man who, uh, in jail for beating his girlfriend, uh, never stopped talking about how he couldn't wait to get out of jail and, and, and you know, finish the yeah. job. And he did. Oh, wow. And uh, so um, that was uh, right after Katrina. Yeah. Uh, several blocks in my house. But the idea is you have probation and parole officers have a wealth of information. You need to network with these folks. Definitely. uh, And and see who's coming back into the community. That's the first thing right there. Skip, thank you for your call. You got a lot of nods out of our panel today, definitely. And thank you. Uh, That was great. We're going to talk a little bit, Shanice. You got a big 10th annual 5K run walk coming up. Tell us some details. Yes. So the Latasha Norman run walk uh, began in 2007. Um, this is the 10th year for it. Um, it is going to be held Saturday, November the 11th, 2017 on the main campus of Jackson State University. Um, the race is going to start promptly at 8 o'clock a.m. Uh, we're asking for all participants to arrive at 7 to check in to receive your numbers to participate in the race. Uh, we're also going to have T-shirts for the participants. We're going to have a balloon release um, prior, just prior to the beginning of the race. So we are inviting everyone to come out and participate. Volunteers show support. Um, you can register online at www.jsums.edu slash Latasha Norman Center. There's a link that takes you to the Marketplace store. You can register online. You can also come into our office second floor in the JSU Student Center and register on site. Excellent as well. And 
10 years. You're going to have great weather for it, too. It's going to be a good day. Yes. I can already tell you on that. And, you know, one nice thing, and you talk about group counseling and you talk about events like this. This is an opportunity a lot of times for people to get together and they don't feel like they're alone. Right. Which is huge. Because a lot of times when you go through something like that, you think you're the only person who's ever had to suffer That's that. Right. So, look, any last words, any last thoughts before we go? Because we got about a minute. I would just like to say that um, domestic violence is real. Very real. Uh, our crisis line is 1-866-847-5802. Someone is on that line to answer and do an intake 24 hours a day. So if you are a victim of domestic violence or you know someone who is a victim of domestic violence, please just pass that information on to them. Thank you both for coming in today because I think this is obviously probably saved a life today. I think it really did. Thank you. Well, we want to thank both Shanice Weiss, Director and Lead Therapist for the Latasha Norman Center for Counseling and Psychological Services. And Wendy Seals, Executive Director of Angel Wings Outreach Center in Mendenhall, for coming in and really helping us learn a lot more about this today. Now you're talking this production of MPB Think Radio. is produced by Michelle McAdoo. Of course, you can listen to us on a podcast. Go to mpbonline.org, or you can download the free MPB app. Coming up next is Southern Remedy. This is Now You're Talking. We'll see you all next Monday.